I'm gonna grab some toilet paper real quick in case I need to blow my nose. Oh God, loser. And welcome to Middleish, the podcast about moderation in all things. I am Erin Green. And I am Michael Gray. Hello. Hello. How goes? Uh, it goes all right. How are you? Great. great I'm really glad we're uh, yeah, great. I'm really glad we're doing a second recording this week because I really missed you last week. <laughs> so I we know, get to catch right? up more. I know. We gotta catch up more. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny when we first got on, I was like, so how you been? I was like, wait, we did just talk two days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot can happen in two days, this especially is, in today's world. True. So this yes. Yeah. I'm trying to Things think if good. anything. Yeah. I'm trying to think if anything big has happened in the last couple of days. Nothing really just, um, yeah. kind of can't believe it's the week before Thanksgiving. You know, I'm sure yeah. everybody is sort of falling into that. And, um, I did a fun video shoot on Wednesday with USA potatoes. So it was just like, it's an in-house educational thing with all the nutrition value of potatoes. And so that was really fun and something I'd like to do more of and just, you know, switch it up a little bit. So I'm not just Mm -hmm. sitting at my desk all day. Promoting those evil carbs. I see. What's the matter? Do you hate people's health? I or know something? I'm a shill for complex carbohydrates oh and potassium bought and vitamin by, C. Bought out by big, big potato. potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I mean, come on, who doesn't love potatoes? But yeah. anyway, you can't win in nutrition, right? If you if you promote anything, anything like just plants or animal based or protein or carbs or fat, somebody yep. is going to criticize you and someone's going to tell you single thing, everything that's wrong about what you're promoting. So like, yeah. whatever, I'll just do what I, what, you know, the evidence and my experience tells me is the right thing to do, which is, Hey, yeah. you can enjoy all foods and potatoes have nutrient value. Surprise. <laughs> speaking of speaking of dumb things, <laughs> um, I saw, I think it was like a reel on Instagram. And it was someone talking about, I think it might've been via a uh, food science babe through her. Was it uh, the vegan account. egg? No, I did see that one. And I'm hoping that was sarcasm because <laughs> I, I wanted to satire. lose my freaking mind watching I that. Laughing. I was getting so angry. I was like, oh my God, this please be fake. It wasn't the vegan egg. It was the, uh, this is why you shouldn't drink cold water. Did you see that one? Oh, the sitting in an ice bath. She's like, is this you? Yeah. Is this you? Because if you, so what was it? They took, uh, like fat from like animal fat and cooled it. Right. And how it turned, Mm -hmm. you know, it it solidifies. And so they were saying, if you drink cold water, this is going to make fat solidify in your body. So if you drink warm water, it flushes. I think he said it flushes everything out. And she was like, Uh, Oh my gosh, use some critical thinking people. So this is is like the pH balance thing. uh, You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. Or that your, your intestines crazy. are just loaded with all of this undigested material that needs to be quote cleansed. Right. I mean, I saw all like, kinds of stuff. Just a month ago, I heard like 
10 pounds of poop sitting in your body that just can't get out because you need to detox. Okay. Hey, drink some prune juice and see if you've got 10 pounds of poop inside of you. (laughs) Let's see how this goes. So for those of you listening who don't follow food science, babe, she's really great on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she does just a a very brilliant job of Mm -hmm. sort of dispelling some of the myths out there and calling out some of the accounts that are just very misleading and very misinformed and, you know, very much into selling Mm -hmm. a product or promoting some weird practice. And she's just like promoting fear. Yes. Yes. So anyway, food science, babe, we like her. She's great. Uh, I also, uh, have been trying to get her on the podcast. I sent her an email. Uh, I need to follow up, but if you're listening and you follow her seriously, Hey, help us out. Say, Hey, this is great podcast. I think you should be on it. I think you'd be a good, a good guest. Put a little bug in her ear. Can't hurt. That's how Dr. Nadolsky came, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody was like, Hey, mm-hmm. our, our friends talk about this. And, mm-hmm. um, and we got Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, which we, sh- we should ask him to come on again too, because I have some, a whole set of new questions for him, but, yeah. um, yeah. That was so Christy may, who is a monthly mm, supporter, thank uh, you, an Christy. old client of mine and now kind of a, you know, like a friend. Um, yeah, yeah, she kind of got that whole thing going with Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. So, yeah. So listeners, you can make a difference. If Mm -hmm. you have someone you follow that you think we should maybe have on the podcast or reach out to, um, help us out, send Mm -hmm. us a name, send us an account and say, Hey, I think you should try getting this person on your podcast and, you know, reach out to them directly. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you'll be surprised how many people on social media are real people and are, are out there to, you know, would accept an interview on a podcast or, and um, a lot of people conversation. Yeah. Even with really large accounts, a lot of people do try to respond to, you know, direct messages and stuff or comments and yeah, try to engage. So it's worth a shot. It's worth 10 or 15 seconds of time, I think. Yes. And if you're an avid listener, you know, it's, Mm it's authentic coming from you saying like, Hey, I listen to these guys every week and they have really great material. And I think their conversation is fun. You'd enjoy it. So yeah. Thank you for doing that listeners. Yes. That's a preemptive. Thank you. Cause we are assuming you're going to, so we're saying thank you in advance. Don't let Mm -hmm. us down. (laughs) All right. Off to a spicy Friday morning. So a little thread in there, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so I just got done with, I'm going to, I'm going to segue us because that is my gift. The segueer. I just got done this morning with a particularly challenging strength endurance workout down at our local gym that I go to pivot here in Boise and strength training is something that I have done seasonally. So usually when my triathlon season was over, I would start with the strength training and I would do that usually like November through January. And then I would start really, um, hitting the triathlon specific training in earnest. And I would start backing off some of that weight Mm -hmm. room training. So this is a natural time of year for me to do it. And I'm really enjoying it. And part of it, I will admit is also because 
a lot of the reading and research I have done through just menopause and aging. And I just turned 40, which I know is not old, but you know, you, you just start thinking a little more about this stuff Mm -hmm. for sure. I'm starting, starting to realize that strength training Mm -hmm. is a really important piece Mm -hmm. of all of this. And along that vein, I think it's worthwhile to have a conversation about what we can do now to really protect our health and our bodies as we age. And I see two reasons for today's topic, which is partic- just that talking about how we stay healthy, you know, as we age. Um, mm-hmm. I see two reasons. One is that we are all aging every day. And if you live long enough, it might be 20 or 30 years down the road, but you're probably going to need this information. Um, and it's good. To maybe get sooner now. than you think, maybe sooner than you think. Yeah, I mean, probably. And that, that is kind of, that's a hard truth for some of us that, I mean, our bodies might age a little faster than other people's, especially if you aren't doing what you can to protect your health now. So there's, there's a theme here that you can get started with a lot of these things now that will help you down the road. And we'll talk about some of those specific things. The other piece is I, my first job as a dietitian was in long-term care. So I worked in long-term care facilities with the elderly. Um, some of them were not that elderly. They were in their fifties and they were in a facility where they just literally couldn't care for themselves physically. And I learned so much through that process that I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't gone through that. And I think Mm. a lot of people, end up maybe caring for their parents or their grandparents. At some point you have an elderly person in your life that is important to you and you end up caring for them and wanting to help them. This is going to have some good information. Just Mm -hmm. if not for your own knowledge down the road, maybe for somebody that you care about now in your life that could use a little nudge Mm -hmm. toward the direction of health. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, the thing about just aging is like, we, things change as we age, you know, like the body goes through different processes. It, 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 it's preparing for different phases of life and what those phases of life entail. Um, and also there's just, I mean, honestly, there's wear and tear on a body, right? Mm-hmm. Like after so many years, things start to just kind of break down or fall into, um, maybe unwanted effects of repeated patterns over and over and over and over. And so, you know, then there's nothing wrong with the body doing what the body's going to do. That's just what it does. But as we age, there can be um, things that happen that are natural and common and expected and supposed to happen, right? That maybe we would like to not have happen or happen as quickly. And so I think when we, when we look at aging, you know, I'm 41, um, Aaron's 40, you know, this is around the age of life where things start to taper off a little more quickly, where we start to feel like Mm -hmm. our age more. And it just kind of picks up steam as we get older. Um, And then, you know, so there's things that we can do at this point in life that can really help mitigate some of those maybe unwanted effects of aging. Um, And we're also going to talk about, you know, later on in life with like senior citizens too, like, you know, when you get like Mm -hmm. 60, 65, 70 in those, um, those age ranges, strength training and activity becomes even more important. Mm -hmm. Like it becomes, I, I think, um, and maybe I'm biased because I am a trainer, but I think it becomes absolutely critical. Um, if you're, if you're going to age well, 
and you're going to have the, the fullest life you can as you get into those, you know, um, you know, late, late sixties, early seventies, into your eighties, that kind of thing. So my parents are, uh, what are they? They are 78 and 70. No, so both 78, right? 44. Yeah. 78. Um, and they have been strength training for the last gosh, 12 years, maybe. Oh, wow. 13, 14 years, somewhere in there. Pretty dedicated. And I, you know, I've worked with them for most of that time. Um, and they're active just in general in their lives. Like they, they don't sit around a lot. They're doing stuff. They're going to grandkids, you know, games and volunteering at the church. And they're just very active people in general, always have been, but they've also, you know, I mean, I think my dad works out twice a week, every week. My mom works out three times a week, every week. And I compare them to a lot of their peers at 78 mm-hmm. and the, honestly, like physically, they may as well be like 65. You know what I mean? I and some it. of their peers may as well be 90. Yeah. Like, no joke. You know? And I, I think if there's a, if there's a fountain of youth, <laughs> I think it's, it's strength training yep. and eating well, you know, I mean, if we're going to mitigate any ill effects of, of, of getting old, it's, it's and not just being active, being active is great, but actually dedicated strength training, which we can talk about how mm-hmm. that may not be as scary as you think. If you're in those later years, that doesn't mean you're trying to deadlift 300 pounds, right? It means that you are getting stronger, mm-hmm. that strength training and eating well are really, that's the fountain of youth. That's how we age. Well, that's how we reach 75 or 80. And we don't feel like we're 75 or 80. God. And it's so boring, right? eat well and, you know, work your muscles hard Mm -hmm. and keep your body strong. Like, God, people, I can hear the eye rolls across, (laughs) across the interwebs as people are watching this, but I 100% agree with you. And just from my perspective, watching my parents age and having watched my grandparents age, I am a firm believer that we don't slow down because we grow old. We grow old because we slow down. And I think, and we're going to talk about some of the different aspects, not just exercise that, you know, Mm -hmm. facilitate that. Um, and I think just starting with, with exercise, that's such a great place to start. I think it should be at the top of this discussion because it it. truly is, it truly is the, the number one thing that is recommended Mm -hmm. for, um, older populations is getting that movement and not just movement, but strength-based movement. Um, I've mentioned, I want to talk real quick about sarcopenia, which is the, um, gradual progressive loss of muscle mass. It's involuntary, um, loss of skeletal mass and strength as early as the fourth decade of life. So hello, friend, we're here. We are entering the world of sarcopenia. Mm-hmm. So hence why I killed myself in my workout this morning. <laughs> I'm, I am like determined to prevent this from happening. But here's, here's kind of a eye-opening statistic. We'll probably lose about 50% of our mass by the eighth decade of life. So in those 40 years between age 40 and 80, of your skeletal mass. So skeletal muscle mass. So just keep that in mind because I know 80 sounds like so far away and a long ways away, but those years can go by fast. And if you don't 
take an earnest effort to mitigate some of those, you know, some of that skeletal muscle mass loss, you could, you know, wake up someday when you're 60 and be like, well, shit, you know, I should have started on this earlier. So Mm. just keep in mind with sarcopenia, um, just buzzing through the, the quick risk factors for sarcopenia, this loss of muscle mass. We see age-related changes like lower hormone levels. We talked about that in our menopause podcast specifically, but men experience this too. Cellular changes decline in ability to convert muscle or protein to muscle. And so there is a a metabolic and physiological change in the way your body actually uses protein. So we'll kind of talk about some of the nutrition implications there. Of course, lifestyle factors, inactivity and lack of exercise, loss of mobility, dental and oral problems, low protein and calorie intake and prolonged bed rest. So hello, those people that fall and break a hip or they twist their ankle and they can't walk right, or they have a surgery and they are inactive for medical reasons that has a huge implication for the loss of skeletal muscle mass. And then trying to get that back. If that happens later in life is really challenging. And then chronic diseases like bone and joint diseases, endocrine diseases, cancer, cardiovascular disease, metabolic disorders, liver and kidney functions, malnourishment, and dementia. All of those are related to taking care of your body now all of those things I just listed with chronic diseases can be mitigated with good Mm -hmm. attention to health now. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you made that point because that's, that's the point I wanted to make early on here. And I'm just going to kind of piggyback on it is that even, even throughout this, this episode, when we're talking about, you know, actual senior citizens, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. talking to everyone because really like if we want to age well and grow old, well, which you really should be thinking about now, maybe not a ton, but it should be in your mind, then we need to start doing things now because the more we set up now, as far as, you know, retaining muscle mass and keeping metabolism healthy and building activity into our lifestyle and eating in certain ways, like those things are going to carry out to when we're older. And if we can age well, when we're older, I'm not, I, I can't tell you how different my parents' lives are from some, some of their peers because they've mm-hmm. established these things. And I mean, their, their lives are so much more full and rich and active, and they're able to, you know, get down the floor and play with their grandkids where I, the, I know people, their friends that can't, mm-hmm. right. They, they can't, they can't go out and ride a bike. They can't go out and run around the backyard a little bit. They can't play a board game on the floor, you know? Um, and I'm sorry, but I, I haven't been a grandparent, but I bet that's about the best shit there is you know, (laughs) to be able to be active with your grandkids, that's gotta be Mm -hmm. amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so this really is, and I know it's, it's very counter to what everything about fitness and nutrition is. It's all the immediate and it's not about the long-term, but Mm -hmm. man, playing the long game is the way to go with this. And so even if we're talking about, you know, people 70, 75, 80, whatever, like we're talking to everyone because that's where you're headed and we need to prepare. Mm -hmm. We need to, we need to be smart about how we do things and establish things now so that we can live a full, long, rich, healthy life. Yeah. And I would encourage anybody to just think about, you know, anybody in your life who is a 
maybe it's a grandparent of yours. Maybe it's a, an extended family member. Maybe it's a neighbor or somebody that you see at the gym. I will tell you my, my friend, Sarah, who listens to this podcast, her mother used to go to my yoga class when I was going to yoga years ago. And I didn't know who she was at the time, but there was this, I don't know, there were three or four older women in that class that were just so they were very consistent with the class and they were so physically capable of not just like the, you know, yoga stretchy moves, but like the strength-based moves and putting their bodies into positions that I'm like, good grief, you know, and then finding out how old they were in their, you know, 60s, 70s. I was like, I want to be that when I'm, you know, so just having that kind of, I guess, window into the future, into like down the road, you know, think about that. How do you want to live your life? What do you want to be able to do? Maybe you don't have grandkids. Maybe you want to travel. Maybe you just want to be a bike commuter and you want to be able to ride your bike around different places. Maybe you love gardening and you want to get down on your knees and dig in the dirt without struggling. There's so many things. And one of the things that I also wanted to mention um, when I was working in long-term care, we talked about ADLs, which is activities of daily living. Okay. So I just mentioned like gardening or whatever, running errands. Some of it is as simple as like being able to make a pot of coffee and grab the coffee pot when it's full. Some of it is as simple as out of the dryer washing your body, washing your hair with enough mobility and your, in your shoulders and without your hands, you know, suffering. I mean, there's so many things with maybe if you have a pet, it would be walking the dog. It it might be, yeah, like getting groceries. So there's all of these ADLs that we talk about with, um, the elderly population. And we tend to, I think when we're young, we tend to think of those things as just like, I mean, you don't even think about them. They're just unconscious activities that we just do. And as we age, they become, you start noticing things about your body that just don't operate the same way. You can't, you know, reach that thing as well, or you can't bend over as well or whatever. And those are the things that this movement and exercise discussion is going to help is those. And, and if you think about it, those ADLs, basically separate you from living independently versus living with in assisted living or in a facility where you need help with those things. I'm not saying that one of those is, you know, better than the other or more desirable than the other. I do know a lot of people who value their independence and value their capabilities. And every human needs some sense of usefulness and autonomy And I think this is getting into one of those, um, you know, having a purpose as a human kind of discussions. So, yeah. Um, I want to go back real quick to, you talked about like injuries, you know, in, Mm. um, later years. So, you know, I, I know several people who, you know, after 60, 65 have had a hip replacement or a knee replacement or, you know, rotator cuff surgery, or Mm. they've fallen something like that. And, And that becomes a defining moment for them because that Mm. becomes a moment where their life changes for the worse in significant ways, because they have this thing, this significant thing. And after that thing, they just kind of go, I guess this is life now. 
right? Like I had my knee surgery. And so I guess now I have this crappy knee. It's like, well, you just got it replaced. It's actually better, right? You just got to, if we yeah, do the work, work <laughs> yeah. And so I'm going to brag on my mom a little bit. Cause she's, you know, she's 78 now, right? No, 70. Yeah. 78. And in the last 10 to 12 years, she's had two rotator cuff surgeries. She's had surgery on her neck. She had a hip replacement. She had a reverse shoulder replacement and she just this spring fell and snapped her uh, upper arm in two. And after every single one of those pretty big events, right? Like, so I'm her trainer too. Okay. So, you know, we had these conversations, but she's like, what can I talking to her docs to like, what can I still do? How can mm-hmm. I still be active? At what point can I get back to the gym? What's, what's the soonest I can get back? And what are my restrictions? So that we, I mean, we're talking game plan when we're like six, eight weeks out, you know, like I can't do anything until then, but let's get ready for it because one just strength train is a part of her life. Right. And it's something she's learned to love and enjoy and see the benefits of, and wants to keep doing, but she also knows that this isn't a, this isn't a turn for the worse. This is something that sucks, but we're going to get right back to it. And we're going to rebuild any strength that we've lost. We're going to try to rebuild any Mm -hmm. muscle that we've lost. We're going to regain mobility and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you could argue, does she come all the way back after everyone or not? I don't know, but I do know this. I do know she's way ahead of the game, whereas she just stopped. And, and I think a lot of times we, we think about people in those later years of life as just like frail, you know? Yeah. Like don't, don't do too much. Don't hurt yourself. Don't push yourself. Yeah. And, and I think they often are, but not because they have to be not because that's just what life is. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we're frail, we're going to get injured more easily. You know, mm-hmm. when we fall, we're going to get more hurt. We're going to be more likely to have, you know, osteoporosis, osteopenia, things like that. We're just, we're going to get injured easier. We're not going to recover from things as quickly after every one of those major surgeries, all of my mom's doctors have been like, I can't believe how fast you're recovering. It's like, well, yeah. she's kind of a badass. She's been yeah. lifting weights for 12 years now. And she's dedicated. You know? So not only is she ahead of the curve in, in terms of her age group and her fitness, mm-hmm. so she can, her baseline mm-hmm. is just higher. It's just at a higher level of yeah. fitness and strength. Yeah. But then she also has the tools to know that, Hey, I mean, with exercise comes some discomfort people. That's just Mm -hmm. the nature of exercise. It's wonderful to have exercise that is for the sheer joy of it. And just going for a walk or, you know, doing something light. However, to make physiological adaptations, there is going to be some level of discomfort. There's going to be some level of pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And in the case of your mom, she has gone through this enough times through her athletic history that she knows, okay, I need to dedicate myself to this and it's not always going to feel good, but I know that there Mm -hmm. will be progression and adaptation. And just, if I can share one of my personal stories that relates very closely to this, both of my grandmothers had knee replacement surgeries very near to each other, like within months, Mm -hmm. my dad's mom and my mom's mom. And my mom's mom was very resistant to physical therapy. 
oh, it hurts. Oh, they make me bend my knee and pass where it hurts. And she just really had this mental block about the discomfort involved in getting your body used to this brand new knee and, and working through some of that discomfort. My dad's mom was very dedicated to the process and she she actually was admitted to a rehab facility where she had, you know, nursing aides come and help her with bathing and ADLs and all that stuff. But she was so determined that she was going to get out of that facility as soon as possible. Like her, I think her surgeon gave her like two weeks or something like two weeks is probably the earliest you could get out of here, but it might be four. And she was like, Nope, I'm going to make the two weeks. And so she basically just carried that in her mind. Like, okay, whatever I need to do that the, you know, physical therapists tell me to do and whatever exercises. And she was very, very diligent with it Mm -hmm. and really embraced that. It's not always going to be fun, but I know I'm going to make progress. And lo and behold, she was out of there in a couple of weeks. So I think, and was able to get around far better than my other grandmother. My other grandmother always had problems with it. If she was always in pain, she could hardly walk with it because she didn't do the, you know, And I think part of that is just that experience. Like you were describing your mom knows what that Mm -hmm. feels like to, to be physically active and to kind of, you know, lean into that discomfort. So. Yeah. Because recovery. Yeah, absolutely. Can be just like just discomforting, right. Uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but you know, what else is, is losing your independence, right. Having to ask someone to help you off the couch every single time you want to get up, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, having to ask someone to help you do all kinds of things around the house because you're no longer able to, or because you have a knee replacement that hurts all the time because you didn't do the work. Like, sure. It's uncomfortable. Right. But so are a lot of other things that you're probably going to have because you're not willing to do this uncomfortable thing now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's like a lot of things in fitness and nutrition. It's that kind of short-sightedness of, Oh, is it feel good now? Or does it not feel good now? Cause I just want to feel good now. It's like, well, if we just choose feeling good now mm-hmm. a lot, we're probably not going to feel so great later on, you yeah. know, because we're not investing in our future selves. So let's talk a little bit about specific exercises, mm-hmm. you know, types of exercises, movements that would be valuable for this population. And one of the, I know that I've mentioned in previous episodes that in my ex classes in college, our professor was like, what's the best exercise for an elderly person for like a 75 year old person that's at risk, fall risk and all this other stuff. And we're like, Oh, biking or, you know, whatever, like something super low impact. And he's like, it's the power clean. And I, I bet there are a lot of people our age that are very capable and don't know how to do a power clean. So that could be really intimidating for someone to hear like my grandfather doing a power clean. Like, what are you Uh talking about? I think that that is just an illustration of the kinds of movements that we need to focus on in this elderly Mm -hmm. population, things that reduce reaction time, things that help with balance things Mm -hmm. that help stimulate the muscle in a powerful way so that Mm -hmm. that muscle is basically woken up so that it can react and contract when needed. Hello, reducing fall risk. This is like the big thing here is like that reaction time and that balance and that ability for the muscle to fire and like catch yourself as we age. So that's what I think of. Mm -hmm. Um, 
do you have certain exercises or things, maybe stuff you do with your mom? Yeah. So, I mean, just in general, you know, I think as we age things that we tend to lose are, you know, we tend to lose grip strength. We tend mm. to lose abdominal and glute strength. Um, we tend to lose quite a bit of mobility, right? So there's, um, you, if someone wants to, or maybe we can link this, there's something called, there was a physical therapist with the last name of Jonda, I think it was. Um, and there's something called upper cross syndrome and lower cross, cross syndrome. And these are just basically as we age, there are certain muscles that tighten over time and certain mm. muscles that kind of weaken over time. And that's why we get, you know, very similar postures and people as they age, sort of that hunched forward, like, you know, mm. in our upper body, our, our chest and shoulder muscles in the front tighten our upper back muscles weaken, right. Um, in the lower body, our, our hip flexors tighten and our, our glutes and our abs weaken. So this just forces us into postures that are, are good to try to, um, you know, combat. And then we lose, you know, just mobility. I think, um, for the most part, thoracic spine mobility. So that would be mm. the area of the spine from the base of the neck to the top of the lumbar spine, mm -hmm. most of the spine, right. We're just hunched over too much and we lose the ability to, to rotate and to extend. And so then we can't, you know, reach overhead as well. We just, we can't, we aren't as mobile. So, you know, I, I tend to look at, you know, let's strengthen the glutes, let's strengthen the abs, let's focus on grip strength. Um, and let's try to increase mobility. Now, that being said, I still look at the whole body, but those are kind of areas that I think are really important to, to, um, yeah. kind of zero in on because they are the kind of the most, uh, the biggest culprits for yeah. issues as we age. But I think, um, honestly, it, I don't really train as far as like conceptually, I don't train senior citizens any different than I would train a 25 year old. Now it, yeah. it may be different weights and there's more considerations for sure, but I still have, you know, someone 70, 75, you're going to deadlift. That may not mm -hmm. be a bar off the floor. It may be mm -hmm. a dumbbell between your legs and maybe you're moving six or eight inches and that's it. But guess what? If you want to pick something off the ground, you need to be able to deadlift, mm -hmm. you know, um, we see things like, you know, balance decreases. Um, so doing like lunges or single leg exercises with support can be really important. You know, our, our um, ability to have like good proprioception, which is just aware of where our body is in space can kind of decrease. So, um, you know, sometimes I do more direct balance work, um, with people if, if they're struggling with, uh, balance, although I think some of the best work for combating balance is just to get stronger. Um, yeah, you know, so, so, but we're still doing rows. They're still doing, you know, push-ups and overhead presses and lunges and squats. And we're doing all the same stuff. It's not like there's this magical secret thing for people as they age. It's the same stuff. It may need to be modified. We may need, mm -hmm. you know, um, reduced ranges of motion, at least at first, but we're still doing the same things and we're modifying yeah. that to an appropriate place. But guess what? When you, when you start with a smaller range of motion and lighter weight, and as you adapt to that, cause the body can still adapt at 70, 75 and 80, you can still get stronger and you can still build some muscle or, uh, mitigate muscle loss. Um, and, and then you could, you can do a little bit more weight, a little bit more range of motion. And we actually mm -hmm. say, you know, we find that people can regain ranges of motion. They can move better. They can yeah. squat down better. They can actually pick something up off the floor now. You know, they can reach stuff out on the top shelf. These are really significant things, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't really train people that much different. There are certainly things that we zero in on, you know, in general. Um, 
but it, it really is. It's, it's moved the body in a variety of ways in ways that are somewhat challenging at least, you know, and maybe that's body weight. Maybe that's a little bit of weight, you know, in your hands or whatever, but that's, that's somewhat challenging and let your body adapt and then make it more challenging. I'm so glad that you pointed out that you wouldn't train anybody much differently in terms of the modalities and the types of exercises. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing is a theme that we have, you know, kind of carried throughout this podcast is that it's nothing like sexy and groundbreaking and like shiny new, this is like very simple, like lunges and squats and rows and deadlifts Mm -hmm. are like very, very basic exercises and don't even require weight or equipment. If you, if you don't need it, like you can do all of these kinds of things with some kind of body weight. So, Mm -hmm. um, I also want to share, I'm going to link it in the show notes, but when I worked at the health department, we had a few of, um, our colleagues share with us the, what's called the fit and fall proof classes. And I'm, I don't know if other States have this, but it's run through our department of health and welfare for healthy aging. And they basically hold classes where the, you know, people of a certain age, I think it's like 65 and up can come to these classes and they provide all the equipment, the resistance bands, chairs, physio balls, dumbbells, and they just basically do all the things you were talking about that help, you know, reduce reaction time, help with balance, one-legged kinds of things. Um, you know, just some of that very doable yet challenging kind of work to just engage those muscles. I think a big part of this that people don't realize is some of it is simply reminding your muscles to work, like turning them on in a Mm -hmm. sense. And this was something I learned through my training too, that you can do activation exercises, say Mm -hmm. before a race or something where you're basically turning on those muscles that you want to fire and work. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it was like, my, my glute and, and some of those external hip rotators and, you know, trying to get those to turn on and fire and be ready to go so that I didn't break down when I was running. So very similar concept with some of these exercises for older adults. Like we want Mm -hmm. to remind their bodies, Hey, we need to, you know, turn on these glute muscles or turn on these, you know, external rotators, the shoulder or something to, to get them remembering how to work. Yeah. And I'm not this, I'm not going to knock on any classes or anything and and not about yours, but just classes I've seen with senior citizens, a lot of times the assumption is, okay, sit down in the chair. You need to be seated in a chair. (laughs) Right. Right. We're going to do all. And you see that online, you know, you look up like workouts for senior citizens or seniors or whatever. And a lot of times it's like workouts for the chair. And if you need to be seated in a chair, cool, great. Like I'm not knocking that at all, but a lot of times we make this assumption again, that people in these later years in life are, are Mm -hmm. weak and frail. And so we need to sit well, you know what people in their seventies and eighties are already doing a lot of most of them, a lot of yeah. sitting, we don't need them sitting anymore, right? Like when we sit, our hip flexors just kind of stay tight and we're rounded forward. We need to get in postures. You're not in, you know, and if you're able to stand then for God's sake, stand up, you know, mm-hmm. because this is really important. You know, we sit too much. I mean, at 40, we sit way too much. Anyway, at 80, you're going to be sitting way, way more. And, um, you know, I think it's important that we don't get mentally locked into this is what it looks like, or this is all I'm capable of, because I guarantee you, if you're in those later years of life, I guarantee you're capable of more than you think, you know, and, and it's important. We don't just resign ourselves to, okay, this is just the way it is. Well, 
if that's your mentality, then probably yes, but it's not the way it is because that's all you're capable of, or that's all you have in you. And so I think it's important, you know, that, um, like I just, so before I moved down here to Texas, you know, most of my training was in person and I bet 65, 70% of my clientele was 60 plus, well, maybe 60, 65, somewhere in there. I had a lot of senior citizens, a lot. And you know, we never did. We never sat in a chair, you know, or, or rarely we were moving. They're, they're walking across the gym from one exercise to the next. They're carrying their dumbbells. They're, you know, they're, they're adjusting, you know, the, the attachments to the cable machine. They're getting stuff set up, steps set up, and, and they're moving their body in a bunch of different ways versus just sitting and doing some bicep curls or, you know, or whatever. Um, again, if that's where you're at, zero issue with that, do it. It's fantastic. That's great. But don't resign yourself to that's all that you're capable of because you're at a certain age. You know, yeah. I had one client, Melba, who was just freaking awesome. She, it's um, a great she was, name. Yeah, I know Melba, right? <laughs> 84, I think 86, somewhere in there. And she was pushing the sled. She's doing push-ups. She's doing deadlifts. And everyone in the gym was like, this lady's awesome. <laughs> like, I can't believe this because it's such a foreign thing to see. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, she, told me, I don't know how many times, like, I am so thankful for this because I know that if I wasn't doing this, I know where I'd be because I have friends that are where I would be and it's not mm-hmm. good, you know? Yeah. And, and they, 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 they're just completely dependent on someone else for most things. And so my challenge to anyone in those later years in life is just, man, just see what you got in you because mm-hmm. there's a really good chance it's more than you think. And there's a really good chance that if you push into those, some of those uncomfortable places, like we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, right. Dealing with discomfort, um, you're going to find yourself feeling a lot younger. Yeah. And I think if anybody is listening to this, who is in those later years, the, you know, 60, 70, 80 year old years, um, I think the take home here is one, don't be intimidated thinking, oh, geez, I have to go and be able to do all of these things that pushing a sled, like, what is that? I don't even know, you know, okay. We're just sharing this to let you know that there are people out there that, you know, progressively work toward this and are capable of doing it and realize that their bodies are capable Mm -hmm. of more than they think. And to just basically challenge any of those preconceptions you have about what an elderly weight training class might be or a fit and fall proof class. Mm -hmm. And I think that all types of exercises have value there. Absolutely. And if you need to start in a chair, Mm -hmm. like if you're in your seventies and you're like, Oh my God, I'm realizing that I can't even like do some of the things for myself. I want to start somewhere. If starting in a chair and doing some very simple resistance band kind of stuff is where you start. I'm going to high five you every day because it takes a lot of guts to start something like that, especially in those later years. And it's really important to start where you are, wherever you are. Okay. This is, this is where we're starting and just don't limit yourself with any of these beliefs about what it is to be, you know, an elderly person or a senior citizen. For sure. And then, um, I had another thought and I think I just lost it. We'll probably come back. Okay. Um, You're pulling a Michael right now. I know it's contagious. <laughs> Dang it. Ooh. 
do you want to talk nutrition? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about nutrition. Again, when I worked in long-term care, I learned a lot about the considerations in, you know, maintaining good nutrition Mm -hmm. in our older years. And some of the big things were getting adequate protein and calorie intake. So we talked about how, as our bodies age, they don't utilize protein as effectively and translate that into muscle. Mm -hmm. So it is important to get adequate protein and more than maybe what you would need when you're younger. So, uh, you know, plenty of the recommendations out there say one to 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. Um, you could do the math on that, just divide your Mm -hmm. weight in pounds. Or if you have a grandparent and you're curious, you know, what their protein needs are just divide weight in pounds by 2.2 and then multiply it by that one and 1.5 factor and just see where it comes out at. Um, chances are with older populations, we're not meeting that protein requirement. And I would even say it might even be higher in certain populations, um, just to try and maintain that muscle mass and just know that muscle protein synthesis is maximized with not just adequate protein intake, but combined with that stimulation, we were just talking about of the muscles. That is where you really get the, the maximal effect. Um, adequate calories in order to maintain body mass. You know, there's a reason we talked about this in our menopause episode, that there's a reason why our bodies tend to hold on to a little more weight and, and more calories, because it does have a health protective effect as we get older to have that reservoir to draw from Mm -hmm. in case we get injured in case we have an issue where we can't eat and get enough calories. You know, that's a, it's basically an evolutionary, um, effect of aging that is health protective. Mm-hmm. So holding on to those calories, but only if you're getting adequate calories to begin with, right. we have Which is issues. Tough. Yeah. We, well, there's a lot of issues with mm-hmm. getting those adequate calories. One would be ADLs. Are you able to get to the grocery store? Are you able to cook a meal? Um, a lot of elderly people, are lonely. They have either lost a partner, they live by themselves for whatever reason, and maybe don't get out as much socially. And so it's really challenging to prepare a meal just for one person. I know young people that struggle with that. Um, the elderly, it really is a challenge for people to not just, you know, prepare the meal physically, but just have the, the gumption and the desire to prepare Mm -hmm. a nutritious meal for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's something to consider that we see taste changes, chewing and swallowing issues. So, and this could be anybody who has not even had a stroke or any kind of, you know, dentition problems, but they just, as our bodies age, things kind of get worn down and we have changes in smell and taste, and that can impact our desire to eat and the kinds of foods that we gravitate toward. Mm -hmm. So that's another factor. We also see, um, drug nutrient interactions. So if somebody is on medication is, is there a contraindication to eating certain foods or do they, you know, have to have considerations there? Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have a host of nutrient concerns in the elderly. So potassium and calcium are two big ones. We see vitamin D, which I think that is fair to say that across, across the lifespan, vitamin D becomes, you know, pretty important to just about anybody I've worked with. Um, 
it's, it's really challenging to get enough based on what the research mm-hmm. is saying just from sunlight and food <laughs> alone. And so, right. you know, um, looking for supplementation there, dietary fiber is a big one. And this actually goes together with exercise because we do see some digestive issues in the elderly, whether it's gastroparesis or just, you know, some atrophy of the abdominal muscles. Um, we might see some other digestive problems. So getting enough fiber in order for your body to digest properly, um, coupled with that movement we were just talking about, which is really important for your body to mobilize those nutrients and, and aid in digestion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but did you mention like just like textures of food with chewing and swallowing. Did you mention that? No, I, I mentioned like chewing and swallowing problems, but yeah. yeah, let's go into that a little more. Well, I think it's, you know, just, I think a lot of times that the reason maybe we get more deficient is just, there's some foods that just get harder to eat, mm-hmm. you know, especially like proteins. Those can be mm-hmm. a little bit more tricky, you know, yeah. um, because they, they take work, <laughs> right? right? It's not like, you know, it's not soft. It's not like, doesn't kind of fall apart. It's like, you got to work at it. Mm -hmm. And that can be challenging for some people Mm -hmm. as they get older. And, um, you know, to kind of piggyback on last week's episode, the supplement episode, I think this can be a good place for senior citizens where like a protein supplement can be a really good option, you know, um, to just increase Mm -hmm. that protein, throw some fruits and veggies in there and get a bunch of these vitamins and minerals and that kind of stuff. Um, that would be something I would, I highly recommend for a lot of people if they have, you know, issues with chewing and textures and swallowing yeah. certain foods and that kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because there are a lot of creative ways to make those foods more appealing. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, as 30, 40, 50 year olds may not think about these things, but adding extra sauces and gravies to things and chopping them up into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. How about, how about utilizing some pureed kinds of techniques? Um, we, as dietitians, we had to trial different types of diets like the dental soft diet or, um, pureed diet or full liquid or any of that stuff, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and when I was doing my clinical rotations, we would have to fill out a little survey for the kitchen and be like, yeah, this was palatable or this sucked or, you know, this needs work (laughs) or this was not nectar thick. We need to change this. So we, I get that there are a lot of challenges when we really get into sort of the clinical needs of like a puree diet or like thickened liquids and that kind of thing. Um, just, I think for our purposes here, it's just important to know that if you have somebody in your life that maybe seems to have less interest in food, maybe you're having a family dinner and your grandparent is there or your parent is there and they're just not showing as much interest in some of the foods, not eating as much. I think these are important things to just investigate and ask about, like, you know, is it difficult for you to chew and, and dignity is huge here. So, mm-hmm. you know, do it privately, yeah, that's a good you know, point. do it, do it with compassion and really acknowledge that it is up to the individual to decide. My great uncle had a stroke and I remember as he continued to decline and struggle with eating, he would, he would choke and gag on some things. And I mean, the dietitian in me was like, oh, we need to, you know, we need to have thick Mm -hmm. and liquids here. We need to do this. We need to chop this up into small pieces. But his dignity was saying, I want 
to eat this the way I want to eat this. And if I choke, I choke. Like he just, he was capable enough of saying like, I want to give this a try and I want to keep working on this. And so anyway, I just throw that out there so that if you do have any of these conversations with somebody you care about, remember that it's not always about fixing the problem. It's simply about having that conversation and letting them know that, Hey, I'm, I'm paying attention to this and I see it and I want to help in any way I can, if I can. Yeah. So. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few other nutrients, omega threes, vitamin B6, which is important for many metabolic processes, vitamin E folate and our old friend magnesium, which was the most Googled (laughs) supplement, um, that we came across. So magnesium (laughs) is actually one that, I mean, I tend to recommend magnesium for a fair number of athletes, just because that is something that, um, it seems like a lot of people have difficulties getting enough from food. Um, in the elderly, I, you know, or even aging populations doesn't even have to be somebody quote elderly status. Mm-hmm. I think it is important to just pay attention to the amount of food you're eating and fulfilling these nutrient needs. And like you said, a supplement yeah. might be a really good consideration. If mm-hmm. you, if you know that you're just not eating as much food as you used to, um, if something has changed with your appetite, you're chewing your ability to, um, enjoy certain foods, it, it might be, um, reasonable yeah. to consider yeah. a supplement. Do you, do you tend to recommend as a dietitian, um, for, for seniors, do you tend to recommend a, a vitamin supplement? I will. Um, if, if there's very little food being consumed or certain food groups that are being eliminated, I mm-hmm. will talk with that individual about the specific nutrients that will be, that are likely to be missing in these certain foods. Um, I think as we get older, I think there's probably less risk because of the low amount of food consumption. There's less risk in like that vitamins, mineral supplementation. I do think it's important just to, I mean, most over the counter vitamin mineral supplements are, are not going to just throw you over the the edge Mm -hmm. with, with something, especially if your dietary intake is low or, or just decreasing over time. Um, but I do think it's a good conversation to have because sometimes Mm -hmm. those supplements are not necessary and people, you know, particularly something like iron, people will just start supplementing with that. And I'm like, do you have lab values that warrant that? Like, is there a specific reason for that? So, um, yeah, I haven't, I honestly haven't encountered too many, um, elderly clients that, that really need supplementation. Most of my clients are still pretty big eaters and still get a good varied (laughs) diet and are, you know, athletes. So yeah, cool. Um, let's see. So one of the last things I did touch on loneliness and um, access to food. But one of the statistics I found was that strong social ties have, um, produce a 50% higher likelihood of overall survival in the elderly. So that independent statistic alone, and we have other evidence that when I was doing, um, research on plant-based diets last year, there was a lot of evidence that came out of, um, 
doing the advent, was it called the advent study? They studied seventh day Adventists and Mm -hmm. the researchers were saying, you know, yeah, there's all this great evidence about plant-based diets, but honestly, we think that the social network and that community piece is a really big piece for longevity and survival and reduced disease risk. And so I think that's an important message for people to hear as well is Mm -hmm. just really helping anybody who's aging in your life to feel connected and to feel seen and make sure they have their social needs met in some way, if you can, and also cultivate that in your own life. Now, like make an earnest effort to belong to a community, to grow roots in whatever capacity, you know, church, your gym, maybe volunteer organizations, whatever it is that helps you feel part of a community and less lonely, I think could really, um, could really go a long way in protecting your health. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point too. That social health is, it's really important. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's something that easily suffers as we get older, you know, it's yeah. really easy to, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. So right. yeah. Meaning, meaning in the mundane, I have mine. Do you want me to go first? Sure. I'll just volunteer myself. Yeah. Just cut in line. I will butt in all elbows, get out of my way. Oh, that's the one thing about Aaron. She's all elbows. <laughs> Whatever that actually, means. actually, Matt is all elbows. My husband, lanky, like mm-hmm. his sharp <laughs> elbows and knees. I'm like, sharp elbows. his elbows. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, I had that, um, video on Wednesday morning. I just talked about with USA potatoes and I had to be mm-hmm. out in star, which is like a 30 minute drive for me at 6am. So it was dark when I left my house and I'm driving West And I got through my neighborhood and I'm kind of getting, you know, out into more open streets and the moon was huge and just yellow golden color and was just so prominent and massive and bright. And I was like, this is (laughs) crazy. You know, I'm like wanting to text people or take a picture, Mm -hmm. but I'm driving. And so I can't. And so it was just for me, it was like, okay, take a mental snapshot because you can't capture this. And I just, I getting up at four 30 was not exciting. I haven't done that for a long time. And I wasn't appreciative of that, that, the alarm (laughs) that morning, but I wouldn't have experienced that amazing, you know, moonscape that I was getting Mm -hmm. going out into um, That's West awesome. Boise. So that was mine. Just like a little appreciation of like, okay, yeah, I have to drive at the butt crack of dawn and get out there to this thing. But wow, look at that moon. Sometimes cool. the moon like seems so big that it's almost unnerving, right? Like, yeah, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> are here? we off course? <laughs> like, why is it so big? <laughs> it's yeah. really cool, but what's going on? Yeah, yeah. that's awesome though. Isn't, I don't, I don't know what it is about. Like when the moon is big, it just, it's an exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And you right? can see all it's the like, craters whoa, and the texture it in it. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's really very cool. cool, which is insane that we can see that. I know. However, I don't know. It's a millions yeah. of miles away. I don't know. It's a long ways away. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And uh, if for Matt me, were with me, oh. he would explain if Matt were with me, he would explain why it looks so big because of the <laughs> the light, whatever, and how our eyes interpret this thing and whatever. I mean, he can just explain like 
why it appears so big when it actually, we're not any closer to it than <laughs> we were five hours ago when it looked this big, you know, yeah. so anyway, continue. Uh, for me, um, just a few nights ago, um, just putting Lally to bed. Um, we, you know, a lot of times she'll just kind of, you know, we'll, we'll watch something maybe for a little bit before we do bedtime or something, but we, um, we got out all her old like Ranger Rick magazines. Are you familiar with Ranger mm, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get, did you remember Ranger Rick from a kid being a kid? I got, a I remember kid. it as being yeah. a kid. I don't, I'm trying to remember if we got the magazines. I think we did for a brief period yeah. of time. Yeah. So she, my parents, um, get her Ranger Rick and Sophie Ranger Rick Jr. And so we just, she saved all hers and we just laid on her bed and dug them all out. And most of them have like jokes or riddles, excuse me. And so we were just reading through these jokes, telling each other jokes and asking riddles and thumbing through different articles and looking at weird, you know, different animals and learning facts and stuff. And it was just this really, just this really fun little, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes of just like, just really engaged. You know, it's like, sometimes I feel like we got so much going on and it just, it's sometimes you just get through a day and you don't like really get this really good engagement with your kid. You know, you talk to them and you joke around, you have dinner and do bedtime. And it's like, uh, but I didn't connect, you know? And so it was just this, just her and I, and our dog scooter was on her bed too. It's snuggling with us. And we just had like this 30 minutes of just like, just really engaged time. And it just, it, that's the best stuff, you know, um, just to have those, I love it where you're just fully invested in each other. Yeah. That's great. We yeah. could all use a few more of those moments. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this still, I, I imagine some people might like flip it off as soon as we're well, done with our When topic. I start talking, people go away. <laughs> that's, that's not what, what I meant. To say. <laughs> what I was going to say is if you're still listening, I challenge you to create or recognize a moment like that um, in the coming week in your life. Like just just appreciate that little engaged, you know, glimmer of time that you don't have a ton of distraction or some schedule pulling you in a certain direction and see how that feels. Yeah. And share it with us. Yeah. We love to hear from you. we'll, We'll share it on here too. Yeah. We'd mm-hmm. love to, wouldn't that be awesome if we had like five or six, like meetings of the mundane from people just to share at the top of an episode. Yeah. I'd be all over that. Mm-hmm. Tell us mm-hmm. your meaning in the mundane. Yeah, please send it to us. Uh, you can mm-hmm. send it to us on Instagram at middleish underscore podcast. That's right. right? Or yes. on Gmail at yes. middleish at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, either one of those are perfect. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you. As always. Yeah. Thank you for your support. Thanks for listening.